Those of you about Poco Show, welcome folks, this is back to Lily White and the Horrendous Dwarfs. Chapter 3, The Brown Spot on the Bed. Lily White woke with a start. The world was black, itchy and smelled like honey. Then Lily White remembered, a beehive. Lily White yelled, hurling the beehive off her head. The world was a little brighter now, and her head didn't was a deep inside an insect city. She looked around. It was night. The bodies of hundreds of bees lay, lay around her, apparently having all stung her, and then died. She slowly rose to her feet. She felt terrible, with bee stings all over her body, poison ivy rashes, a big goose egg on the back of her head. But the thing that made her feel worse was when she saw the shattered bottle of Granny's medicine. Being as she had still fancied herself as a fairy tale maiden, she looked around the nearest animal to complain to, she had hoped for an owl, but the best she could find was a large black beetle. Oh, Mr. Beetle, said Lily White, what will I do now? I hurt my, my grandmother would be getting sicker by the day without my medicine, medicine. I'm out of honey. I don't even know how to get back to grandmother now because that ditch is so high. She began to cry. For it, though it sounds impossible, the beetle actually managed to get looked irritated and began to walk away. A Lily White nabbed the beetle and stuffed it into a satchel bag. After a while, Lily White began wandering aimlessly through the forest. She meandered hopelessly, circling many times and changing direction, seemingly at random. Several hours went by before Lily White stumbled with something weirdness. This is a light in the distance. Oh, Mr. Bum Beetle, said Lily White in a satchel bag. This might be just what I need, some help. As she drew closer, she could make out through the trees a light that was coming from a lantern that hung near the steps of the large, two-storey, dilapidated house. The windows were shattered, the wood seemed to be rotting in places, a door was off its hinges. Well, said Lady White in, in, into her satchel, I don't know what happened to whoever hit, hit this lamp. I can't wait in this abandoned house for a couple of days until the heat dies down, and I can try to find some help, maybe even... Oh, I do not know. I do not ever so hope I can find a prince. She closed her eyes, placed her hands over her heart, and began to spin in a fearful swoon. She tripped immediately, falling, falling into her satchel bag. Lily White stood, shook herself off, and peeked into the bag. She saw that Mr. Beetle was now mostly guts, having been smashed under some loose change. Lily White shrugged to herself and then approached the steps of the ruin. She noticed that the left steps was a wooden ramp. She decided it was much more fun to walk up this ramp than to use the steps. This ramp's too steep, said Lady White as she stepped up the ramp, having no particular reason to think this as the ramp was a rather mild incline. Lady White stepped through the open doorway and was immediately hit by a foul stench that seemed to blaze blood and urine. She hit her head on the ceiling, making a f- loud thump, loud bump. This ceiling's too low, said Lily White, rubbing her head forehead. She knew, now had two goose eggs in addition to a bee sting, a many bee sting. The room was very dark, and Lily White grabbed the lantern from outside the door and shone it into the house, front room, the house and front. The floor was littered with garbage, feathers and tall pieces of torn furniture. Wandering further into the house, Lily White found what 
must have been the kitchen. There was a large cauldron swimming over low flyer. Lily White approached the cauldron to see thick grey fluid bubbling. Most folks in Lily White's situation might wonder how a house could be abandoned and yet have a shining lantern and a cooking fire inside, but instead Lily White saw it as merely good fortune. Hmm. Why, look, it's a big cauldron of gravy, said Lily White. She grabbed her ladle, dipped into substance that sucked it up. Lily White immediately spat the fluid on the sp- out in spray. Yuck! That gravy's too sour. As she turned away, still wiping her mouth, a large sock floated to the surface of the gravy. Lily White continued her tour of the house. In the basement, she found a, an army full of axes, swords, bows and armour, in various states of repair. Nearby was a few, la- few large vats filled with unknown liquid that smelt like wood. Returning to the forest floor, Lily White found a cluttered office and dining area, complete with chipped glass and cracked plates. Lily White passed the door to a room that smelled so bad that Lily White almost didn't enter, but curiosity got the best of her. She gently pressed the door open and little, saw a little room with a pulsing sink and toilet. A bathroom, said Lily White, slightly. How caustic! She stepped in and raised her lantern to look into the toilet bowl. She saw, well, let's not say what she saw. It's not pleasant. Ugh, said Lily White, with her face scrunched in disgust. It's told it's too clogged. Fortunately, Lily White didn't need to use the bathroom for the moment. She continued to search for the ha- house. She found a heavy ladder that led up to most, must have been the second floor. Climbing this, she found one large bent room. The room was filled with single and bent bunk beds, some with mattresses, some without, and other mattresses that were strewn across the floor. None had sheets, many were ripped. As she approached the nearest bunk bed, raising her lantern, she saw the bottom mattress had a large brown spot in it. Oh, gross, said the green-faced lady white. This bed is too stained. The room was Warm and humid, and Lily White felt suddenly exhausted. I guess I may have a sweet, as may as sweet, while, while, while I wait for my prince to rescue me, said Lily White to no one. After much looking, Lily White lowered her standards of cleanliness, lay down on the less stained mattress. She closed her eyes and fell asleep almost instantly. Chapter 4 Hercules Flirts. Hercules! Hello, the Queen. Yes, Your Majesty, answered Hoko, strolling lazily into the Queen's lavish throne room. The Queen had ordered the windows to be covered and torches to be lit, intending to look especially evil that day. A firelight reflecting off the Queen's jagged white face made her look almost vampiric. You've been back for two days and you still haven't reported on your mission, said the Queen, suing sh- out a look, fold in a gaudy black gown. It was it was great, said Hercules. I picked up some chicks, I flicked my muscles on my tan, is a whole lot better now. Yes, yes, but what about Lily White? asked the Queen Minister. Oh, well, she's hot. Fine, yes, but did you? The Queen lifted her chin and narrowed her eyes. Kill her? Oh, yeah, I, I totally did. I pushed her off a cliff. It was going to bring you your head, but I couldn't find it down there. It was a pretty big cliff. I pushed her off a cliff, you say. Yep, said Hercules, flexing and staring at his bicep. Then why, barked the Queen, raising directly from a throne. Does my magic mirror say that Lily White is still alive? Hercules looked alarmed. But you broke your mirror. 
Uh, right, said Hercules, smacking his forehead. You have it, uh, you have it, that's right, said the Queen, sitting down on a thin smirk, betrayed how much she enjoyed herself. I do have etched mirrors. Oh, I forgot, said Hercules, absent, abs- absently, his attention now focused on the smooth soul, he sent it to one of the female gods. The girl's woman was blushing. So, you confess, said the Queen, did you even find that you might? Uh, said Hercules. Oh, yeah, I did. She fell down a ravine. She was in pretty bad shape when I left. Very well, I suppose. I could take your word for it. At my moment, it's currently indisposed. She motioned regally to her left, where her magic mirror was set on the magic sand. It was playing a white screen of error code. It said, 444, server not found. Please try your connection. What's wrong with it, said Hercules? I don't know, said the Queen distantly. It's working. It's working on. Not to matter. No matter. I shall always. I still have ways of catching Lily White. As for you, you might. You must be punished for insolence. He grabbed his arm and uh, arms of thrown uh, extra hard. Chapter five. Lily White makes the worst mistake of her life. In the morning light, dozens of heavy feet marched in unison. Their steps weighed down by great loads of their owners carried on their backs. Steel clanked against steel. Gold rattled in bags. Mead and ale slashed across the bottles. Grunts of sustained effort could be heard amidst belches escaping from thickly bearded mouths. Marching in tri- trifles foul, heavily armoured, blooded and a Bloody battle weary were the stoutest of all creatures to wolves. A dwarf's tender bead, a dwarf's tall children, but firm and strong, and great bushy beards, and rather entuded bellies. They carried all sorts of items in their arms, and large packs ranging from food to pelts to treasure to women's clothing. A single dwarf strutted apart and headed to the rest, ahead of the rest. He was a bit shorter and of most of us, with a long, pointy noise and look of supreme confidence. He wasn't carrying anything, despite the large bundles of ba- backs on the dwarfs. Other dwarf was shouldered a large pack, despite also having to propel some of the wooden wheelchair, wheelchair on the diet trail, looked, called out to the body dwarf and said, Hey, Tricky, why don't you have, why don't, why don't you have carry anything? Because, Stubby, if you have noticed, I'm the one who masterminded this whole raid. You can thank me for your, for the, your those treasures, piles of treasures. Of course, when we get back, you have to hand them to over to the Marine, make sure everyone gets their fair share. Oh, whined the dwarf with a thick voice, who looked rather like a spear in a bed. Last time we did that, my pole was smaller than anyone else. That's because, my dear Punchy, said Tricky, sounding like he was playing something up to a job. <coughs> You ate most of the treasure. Yucky got anything at all. Porchy looked ready to complain some more, but Tricky cut him off. All right, but boys, said Tricky, turning now to face the columns of dwarfs. And after all, time for a victory song. As the dwarfs cheered, stinging the most musical of the dwarfs, starting off, soon joined by all the rest in their big, booming voices. Oh, no. Sing the tune of the song. Oh no, sing 
sounds the tune of a song we're not allowed to mention because of copyright owned by Walt Disney Corporation. We will kill, kill, kill everybody in town. We are burn, burn, burn the village down. It's an easy deal to get the meal if you still will. Go and steal everything you feel from the town. From the town, from the town, where there's thousand people ready. We killed, we killed, we killed. Everybody around, we burned and burned and burned and burned. And burned every house we found. It's ideal with the bells of peel. They will, they will, they will. From our cold, cold steel. In the town, in the town, in the town. Where we still go by the pound. Oh no, could one truth. Oh no, could another truth. Oh no, no, no. Just now begin to sing and use again. Oh no! Oh no, we stole someone's gold. He beat his wife, he killed his cat. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Oh no, oh no, oh no. It's all somewhere bold. The drunken life is great all told. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Oh no. Off somewhere sing. This and some unbearable nonsense continued through the remainder of the Dross March. Finally, as an evening wore on and turned the night, the Dross reached their beloved house, the dilapidated home, the dilapidated house in the woods. It was immediately clear that there was something wrong. Stumpy was the first to call out, My ramp's gone. How am I supposed to get inside? Oh, I smell something, said Sniffy. It's smoke! said Pointy, pointing at a mound of smoke that was rising between the house. Drews broke ranks and ran back to the house, where a large bonfire was burning fiercely. My ramp, said Stumpy, pull it out. My socks, yelled nasty, a dwarf with especially uncapped beard, long yellow fingernails and gold back teeth. My breakfast, said Dumpy, a seeming normal dwarf. He'll have no fury like a hoof of... Horde of angry dwarfs. They stormed the house in a rage, looking for whoever invaded their house. Home. After some searching, one of the dwarfs, Lumpy, went to his bed and saw a woman curled up in a fresh set of sheets and blankets. Her hair was pinned up, and her face was so pale that she reflected the moonlight brilliantly. Lumpy's anger dissolved immediately. He carefully crawled to the bed and struggled up to the sleeping Lily White. Lily White, still with her eyes closed, rolled over and put her arm lovingly around the hairy dwarf so they were face to face. Lumpy tried to stifle his gleeful gurgles, but a few broke out, though, through. Lily White's eyes fluttered open and she stared happily and sleeping into the dwarf's eyes. Her face quickly changed to confusion, puzzlement and fear. She screamed, Lumpy, put his finger on his hips, and was such a single. But Lily White wouldn't have it. She jumped out of her bed. Dross ran and covered to the scream. Lily White made to run away, but the Dross were too quick. A gang of Dross surrounded her, and then lunged and grabbed her limbs. Lily White screamed again, Oh, you oh, get away, you nasty Dross. You're not, you're not my prince. The dwarfs carried her over to the ladder and then led to the main level of the house and tossed her to a few dwarfs who stood there waiting there. They dragged her into the front room of the house and threw, it in, threw her in a heap at Tricky's feet. It was a sight to see all those dwarfs stomping their feet and cracking their knuckles. Quiet, quiet, Tricky ordered. The dwarfs hushed, for, though they bobbed back and forth in a fury. Lady White had risen to her feet, her face scrunched in her anger, her hands bruised with fixing 
busy with fixing the hair. What are you doing in our house? said Tricky. Your house? said Louis White. Yeah, our house, said Tricky. You know, where we live? No, said Lily White. There's no one, no way anyone lives here. This place must have been abandoned for years. Well, it isn't abandoned, said Tricky. We live here. Us, the dwarfs. Lily White took, looked around the room, quickly taking stock of the situation. Dwarfs looked like a pack of wolves that had cornered their prey. Anger fell from Lily White's face as he got. Well, well, I guess I'll just be leaving then, said Lily White, with excess confidence as you made a step towards the door. Stumpy, who must have must have carried been carried down, rolled forward and raised up an axe in his hand, saying, Not before you pay but for more ramp. A clean shaven dwarf ran out in front of Stumpy's wheelchair of death. Stop, said the dwarf. You can't kill her. She's a woman. What are you talking about, Dicey? said Scrumpy. We kill women all the time. Not the ones that, not ones this beautiful, cried out wide-eyed, dressed as good lovely. She's not beautiful, said Nasty in a high-pitched voice, pointing at her with one of his long yellow fingernails. Her skin is sickly pale. But she turned off a great board, said Lusty. Dwarfs nodded and muttered in agreement. Oh, please don't hurt me, said Lily White, imploringly. I'm just a nice girl. I went to, went to town to buy my grandmother some medicine. Then the rabbit said mean things about me, her, and some crazy guy attacked me, and Mr. B wouldn't listen. His cat, and his cats, and Mr. Beetle wouldn't listen. His cats just got all over my bag. He's almost worse than Mr. Bunny. There's no good silence. Dwarfs had their own brows, looked at each other some kind of explanation for the green. Lily White said, Not so. Hey, said Tricky at length to Lily. Give us a minute, eh? Huh? Motion to dwarfs, he called a dwarf huddle. A few stayed out to guard Lily White from escape. Okay, boys, said Lily, Tricky in a whisper. Look, this girl's bonkers. I think I've got a plan. What are you going to do? said Punchy through the ham. Through the hamburger's mouth, you see," said Tricky. "You just, just follow along." It was agreed in agreement. Broke the huddle and faced Willie White. "I think," said Tricky, "that we may have gotten off on the wrong foot." "What's your name?" "Lily White," said the girl. "Oh, uh," said Tricky. "Well, my name's Tricky. That's Stubby." Stubby took took his axe threateningly. "There's Punchy, the ball, beach ball dwarf," smiled and belched. "Here's my pal." Bumpy, the tall and smallest dwarf, tried to wave hello, but smacked against the, but smacked against the table. The process fell down. Don't forget nasty. It was unnecessary to no one could ever forget nasty. If he, nothing else, then for his smell. Tricky induced many more dwarfs, like then Lily White could ever remember, including funky, tasty, jelly, rimy, and flirty. After a long time. Long, very long injections were completed. The conversation was taken to the large, filthy dining room table. Tricky motioned for Lily White to sit at the fir- first on a bench against the wall, and she was immediately hemmed in both sides with dwarfs trapped. Mugs of mead were passed along the table, were lightened with the dwarfs' moods considerably. Lily White smelt some and almost fainted. You know, Lily White, said, began Tricky, I think I like. You after all, and if like you can stay here for a while until you work 
help your life. Anyway, it's looked a lump. Uh, oh, she said, stammered. That's so kind, but I need to get home to bring Grandma her mother, sir. I mean, your home is very uh, nice, she tried off. Well, it, if you're so busy, says Stumpy, angry, then why have you been hanging around here and ruining our house? As I said before, said anyone, I was attacked by a crazy man in the forest and couldn't find my way back to the road, so I thought I'd stay here for a few moments. Oh, I see. That was the point is. Point is, said Tricky, rubbing his hands together. This crazy dude isn't going to come here, is he? Everyone will know who knows that if they come to this house, we'll kill him or worse. He laughed, so did the other ourselves. So you see, continues Tricky, we can keep you safe. What about my grandma's medicine? asked Oh, said Tricky with a dismissive wave of his hand. We'll take care of that, no problem. You tell us what you can, what to get and all fine. So fetch you deliver it for your sweet granny. You even make a nice little bow. Isn't that right, Fetchy? A drawful runny shoots nodded affirmative. Oh, gosh, said Lily White. That would be wonderful. But this house, I know this place is a little rough, said Tricky knowingly, but I think it might need, or it might need a woman's touch. His eyes, I, Lily, my eyed indoors, who with varying levels of lust and rage and on their faces. Oh, said Tricky, you don't worry about those guys, they're perfect gentlemen, right, boys? Through dwarfs, including Nicey, replied, but most, most didn't like say anything. Lily White relaxed. Well, said Lady White, nodding slowly to herself. I think this might work. Yeah, it would work, should would work, said Tricky. So let's get that signed in black and white and make it a full official. Why don't we? A contract agreed, Lady White? Well, about more uh, our agreement, said Tricky shrewdly. Well, I guess that'd be okay, said Lady White. Tricky went into action at this point, dashing into the office and returning with a sheet of parchment and a pen. Tricky dipped the pen in his mouth for a moment, then began the scratching down. Words down. Well, he the dwarfs, Tricky said aloud as he wrote, Being of one mind and multiple body, do hereby agree to rent a room or other space to be found to Lily White and provide her protection as deemed necessary by the head dwarf and proceed it. Strategic product of medicine nature, such as w- would be useful to Lily White's granny. Strange, Lily White agrees to the following terms. He looked across the table at Lily White and smiled. In what was clearly meant to be a fatherly smile, though it made him look rather menacing. The bleak his nose didn't help. I think I, I think we all agree. We can. I think we can agree," said Tricky. That there's a minor housekeeping might. Mate in order? Oh yes, of course, said Lily White. I've always been doing I've been doing that anyway. She pointed she carefully obvious oblivious as Stumpy's furious gaze. Tricky scratched down the calls. A bit of cooking? That's fine, said Lily White. A baby, said Tricky, and he wrote it down too. Putting some money towards rent now and again. You know, whenever you're able to pay. That seems fair, said Lily White, nodding with glee. Oh, I'm just so happy you're going to, going to let me stay. 
Oh, believe me, said Tricky. We're excited too. Tricky added a few notes and passed the contract to Lily White. Well, all right then, said Tricky. Let's go ahead and sign this at the bottom. Lily White glanced down at the contract, signed it a flash. My grandmother taught me how to write, said Lily White, beaming. That's great, said Tricky and the boys. That might have been used on a baby. Now, it's been a long day. I'm sure you would like to get some rest. Oh, yes, said Lily White. With stretch and wide on it. Well, go ahead, dear. Sleep tight. Don't let Punchy pinch or bitey bite. Well, he might smile, but none of us did. One had a sly smile on his face and immediately pinched, pinched her rump. Oh, knock that off, cried Lily White, slapping Pinchy, Pinchy's hand. Before she could complain further, Groodles rushed off to her bed. Once they once he, she was sure that he was out of hearing range, Triggy dropped his falsely sweet smile and returned it to a more genuine and greedy grin. Triggy rubbed his hands together and then unfolded a hidden section of the contract, revealing a large gap of blank contract beneath and agreed to contract terms above. They didn't want to signal, all right boys, with this blank save, we have add on whatever we want. Let's take this girl for all she's worth. Oh, say she killed to give give to got to give bath stinky, said the dwarf. Oh yes, said Trinky hotly. She can bath stinky. He scratched the extra calls to the contract. She have to do all the cleaning, says Dumpy. Trinky nodded and added it. Oh, oh what the naughty massages after a hard day punishing, said Nancy. said Nancy. Tricky put it down. Hours into the night, the dwarfs were still adding things to the contract. Tricky had to shoot down some of the crude ideas offered by Filthy and Nasty. But finally, well after 2am, Tricky folded up the contract and put it in the secret pocket of his coat for safekeeping. Doves hummed and skipped to their beds, excited about all the wonderful things that Lily White would start doing the next day. Chapter 6 Hercules' Song For what seemed like thousands of time, Hercules looked into the eyes of drawing of Wendy White as part of a wanted poster reading Wanted, Lily White, dead or alive, award 100 gold pieces. In the middle was drawn a rather unflattering, no, not inaccurate drawing of the girl. Hercules hammered the poster into a tree, wiped the sweat from his forehead, and turned to the Queen, who was sitting in, his, in the two horse open royal carriage and were reclining easily. Lazy, her bright, pale face and dark hair did not like they belonged in the daylight. I've been out in the woods for hours, said Hercules wind. How many of these posters do I have to put up? You down them up these posters, said the Queen, glancing sharply at her ghost, until there's only one, oh, there's one on every tree in the forest. Maybe next time you think twice before you lie to your Queen. Hercules turned to another tree and began to nail up a poster. He mumbled his breath and sing, in a sing-song voice, Oh, the Queen, I'm so scary, I wish I was paler. What was that? demanded the Queen. Nothing, said Hercules, in, smiling instantly. <coughs> That's what I felt, said the Queen. You know, Hercules, my slave, is my magic mirror is working right now. I wouldn't have to sit here and babysit you. <coughs> no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, would you? You don't know. Oh, you don't have to worry, said Hercules, changing to his whimper voice, his falsely complimented voice. I'll be real good. I'll put a post on every tree in the forest, you see. 
Yeah, well, said the Queen, suspicious. Gee whiz, you know I will, said Hercules. Mm, said the Queen. Very well, I trust you will not waste your time here. If you do, there shall be further punishments. She stapled her hands darkly as she said this. I'll be real good, said Hercules, nodding his ridiculously. Very well, said the Queen. She sat up and turned forward. Driver, she called. I'm done here. Take me back to the castle. Yes, Your Majesty. You have the overly emphatic driver, flicking the horse's reins and yelling, Oh, Hercules. Hercules. Acted busy until the carriage was out of the sight and dropped the hammer and his bag of posters and leaned against the tree. <coughs> he sighed and reached down to his bag. Oh, one of the posters. He stared into the white, the white face, lily white, but his eyes quickly fell down to the girl's booty. Of course, her bottom wouldn't normally be included in a wanted post. Her hercules was spoken to the printer and managed to have a small insert picture of a hole, a wide, and fully clothed, of course, rear end printed on the bottom right corner of every poster. Oh, Liddy, said Hercules to the poster, you truly are a woman for me. As Hercules stood in his spoon, a, a fanciful arrangement of woodland, creatures covered, there they were. They were all there, a few squirrels, lots of birds, a turtle, a wise country owl, and they've they've dear a dog or fox and wear, mice wearing clothes at least even the bruise and battle Mr. Bundy himself sh- shambled into the crowd Hercules playing f- partly fearful he was completely losing his mind mostly in a lustful mood about Lily White raised his voice and began to sing and dance in front of his beloved poster Hercules playing to the tune of Hotel California Bunny Eagles on a secluded roadway a rabbit flies through the air. I look of terror on the face of that hare. My arm, my up head, in the distance, I saw a girl that's so white. I held my hand to my shield, my eyes, my skin was too freaking bright. She stood on the highway, I heard a yell, anger yell. I was thinking to myself, this girl is crazy. She, she, she's way too pale. Then she turned around as she looked away. I saw the battered cock. I was like, hey, oh, hey. The white seemed to step from the poster and begin to dance with merrily. Of course, of course. Lily White was an awesome bollocks. What a superior. The yeah, was now acting to pack up singers. The old superior. Posture. Plenty of junk in Lily White's massive trunk. She is so nice to form, a nice for form, that I could have sworn. I went up for the girl, showed her biceps. She said, those muscles are super hot. They deserve some respect. I was like, yeah, girl. And she was like, oh, yeah, you're so cute. I said, yes, I know. Your observations are astute. She said, kiss me, you, you know. You big hunk of a man. I told her that I would try and do the best I can. I leaned to her lips and she fell down a ditch. Then I went home as fast as I could so I could make a sandwich. Chorus. 
that the wife was an awesome buttocks, was a superior, superior, posterior, plenty of junk in little wife's massive trunk, her head was a hive, the hive she was still alive, little wife still around him, I'm sick, starting to think, if it is right, the best girl in the world, I mean she'd be the next queen, so if I get with the real girl now, it means I could be king. I can force her to marry me. Who cares what she thinks? Lily White with Wilson Buttock was a superior puddle of sewer. Plenty of junk in Lily White's massive trunk. Her head was alive. Her high still alive. Lily White's still alive. And now I started to think of Lily White's the baddest girl in the world. What means of being the next queen? So if it's this girl now, that means I can be a king. I can force her to marry me. And who cares what she thinks? So Burson tweeted some awesome notes that almost sounded like a cadazzo. At the same time, Lily White's dreary form began to play run bravely from Hercules. Hercules pranced and skipped after through the trees and animals bounded around him. A bird soared overhead and continued melodies. Hercules began to sing again. Of course, Lily White was an awesome buttocks, what a superior posterior. Plenty of junk in Lily White's massive trunk. I forced to wear a ring, a ring, and I'll be the king. Hercules dropped to one knee after fetching his line, strumming an air guitar. I just he couldn't contain himself. He laughed a, so, a laugh that would make, make the creek proud. He was so evil. Hercules, better the creek. Are you here again? Hercules looked around now and saw he was kneeling on the Queen's throne room. The Queen was sitting on the throne, a green vein probbing from her forehead. Ah, uh, well, I was just stammered Hercules. What? what did you say? demanded the Queen, bursting from the throne. You'll be king, suffered of mutiny, treason, or have your head for this. Hercules looked terrified, then, then as his face smoothed into a broad, perhaps full screen. Wait, said Hercules. Did you mean, did you, did you, did you thought, Hercules, let her, uh, look, loudly had a hello laugh. Imagine, this is the king, the kingdom. It can't be king, you should know that. Indeed, said the queen, uh, looking uncertain, and, well, why did you say? I just wanted to be king, jeez, what, not to a kingdom? I don't mean to make sense, more ridiculous thing, I've never heard. No, I'm going to be king of rock and roll. At this circle, began to play his air guitar with an intimidating, badly, and awesome guitar duo. The queen sat down slowly and took her out of the home With a guitar solo like that, said the queen, sounding relieved. You'll be lucky if you ever become king of the fools. Ha ha ha, laughed Hercules curiously. Good one, me, Majesty. The queen stared back at Hercules for a moment and then shrieked. Get back to work. Zoom out podcast show, Lily White and the Horrible Dwarfs. Chapter 7. Lily White tastes poop. Lily White rang a filthy washcloth in her hand uses, uselessly before dripping it back into the grimy tub water. She was in the kitchen in the dwarfs' house, seated on a stool in front of a large wooden bucket where a naked spear of a dwarf with a rolly beard sat in the soapy water. His feet was hanging out of the tub, pink like tender hams. A large bubble foul gas suddenly 
popped near Lily's white face, but she merely scrunched her nose, since she didn't, couldn't spare a hand to pinch her nose, as she was flossing the white washcloth through Porch's toes, bug wings, animal droppings, human hair, and other filth formed a foul crust round the dwarf's toes, though Lily White had unfortunately come to understand that it was not unusual among dwarfs, or at least not among these the dwarfs that lived in this particular house at the forest. At the moment of profound disgust, Lily White felt a sharp and sudden pinch of her bottom. She jumped and wheeled around and then to a shock. A shock of rage, Pinchy, with his mischievous smile, made, made to walk away, having done his deed. Lily White wasn't having it this time. All right, that's it, yelled Lily White, as she grabbed Pinchy and Punchy by the beard and led them to the front room and surprising false. Everyone, she squeaked as her ear piercing volume, we're having a meeting right now. The dwarfs stumbled in the room in varying states of dress and sobriety. Some foamed at the mouth of drunkenness, and there were many in tightly whiteies. Low, regrettably, none remained, retained their original white colouring. Nasty and his yellow, long yellow nails clattered in. Bumpy fell down the ladder from the second floor bedroom. Stumpy wheeled in from the office, an axe in his hand, looking surly. Tricky, self-proclaimed head dwarf. Was, was nowhere in sight. All right, yelled Lady White to a dozen of assembled dwarfs. I've been working on my, my bat off here for two weeks. I've had it. It's time I, I've explained a few things to you. I'm not your maid. I'm not m- m- mother. I'm not your girlfriend. I'm not going to kiss you goodnight and tuck you in, in anymore. And no more midnight waltz for you. And that means you, Clingy. Lily White pointed to the wolf, who had just run and attached itself to her leg, with an expression of supreme joy. And another thing, she yelled, shaking herself free. I'm tired of getting to bed after a day's work of finding Dumpy's mess, said Lily White, as she motioned towards a rather ordinary-looking dwarf, who seemed quite pleased with himself. And, continued Lily White, I'm tired of mess showing your nasty, smelly feet every day. Do you mean Nasty's feet or Smelly's feet? asked one of the dwarfs. All your feet, especially Nasty and Smelly's. And you, Punchy, said Lily White, railing on a fat naked dwarf who somehow found a big bag of potato chips and dumping the crumbs into his mouth and beard. I'm tired of figuring out which of your folds to hold and which of your flabs to grab. She ran to the kitchen and came back with a stained rag which had been used to scrub the dwarfs. She forced it into Pussy's Pussy, greasy hand and said, You can bath yourself from now on. And all of you, I'm tired of walking into the room and hearing all your crude comments and sniggers. You know, like, do you have any flies in that with that sake? Hey, Lily White, your skin is ugly, but your body looks good. I'm sick of it. And where, demanded Lily White, is Fetchy? He's supposed to have brought back my grandmother's medicine yesterday. You mean this stuff? said a dwarf with a slurred voice, holding a glass jug labelled four X's. It was empty. Drunky, said Lily White slowly. What happened to my grandmother's medicine? Drunky, said Drunky with a burp. You drunk my grandmother's medicine? Not just me, said Drunky, tipping a bit. We all did it. He swayed strong. Dumpy smiled and many of the dwarfs nodded in agreement. Lily White began to tear up. 
to you up now. You dress are all the same, weird and gross and horrible. I'm a beautiful girl and you should be treating me like a princess because I'm humble and caring and beautiful. Maybe someday a prince will find me and rescue me from this nightmare. Anyway, broke into open sobs. A few of the dwarfs, including Nicey and Lovey, also broke into tears. At this instant, an uttermost emotion. Tricky scrambled in from his office and narrow and there were a pair of reading glasses hanging off his long nose. So, he said, I was looking at the ledger and it shows that you are late on your last week's rent, so cough up, sister. Rent? Rent? Lily White howled in fury. How dare you? I've ever, I can do everything around here. I'm going to pay your bills, too. All you must ever do is nothing. It's about time you step up and take care of yourselves. It's, all, it's your fault, lady. Said Tricky, who didn't look pleased at all. My little boy is furry. You've signed a contract. You'll have a legal complication. All this, said Lady White, motioning in disgust to dwarfs as a group. Wasn't in the contract. Ah, uh, uh, but it was, said Tricky, thin grin crossing his face. All of it. Tricky opened his coat and pulled out the agreement that Lady White had signed. See, your signature's here, agreeing to all the terms above. What's this? demanded Lily White, as she seized a contract for Tricky's arm. What's this extra fold in there? Wait, what? Get stumpy some legs, bunny rubs. What's this about a Belgian contest? I didn't agree in any of Your signature, said Tricky, happy to be in his element. Clearly shows that you did agree to all of this. Well, I'm not going to do any of all of this, said Lily White, looking resolute and shoving the contract back under the wolves. It's a Little too close to Punchy's mouth, he eventually immediately swallowed a punch and hole. Punchy, you idiot! yelled Tricky, throwing his hands at wildly in his fist as he sighed. That was my master grift! Tricky charged at Punchy in a look of murder in his eyes. No, Punchy! Tricky said, yelled Nicey, running to stand before him and Punchy. It's not Punchy's fault! He can't control what he eats. Yeah, it's all her fault, said Stumpy, raising his axe and fought towards Lily White. Yeah, it's all her fault, yelled another dwarf. Get her, yelled at many dwarfs in unison. They charged Lily, they charged Lily White, who was wide-eyed in terror, grabbing hands, grabbed her from all angles. There was a clash as the door flew open. Lily White felt something herself fly from the window. Yeah, then splat. Lily White was covered in thick, putrid brown filth. The dwarfs had thrown her into a dunk heap. Ah! Lily White screamed in disgust, wiping her eyes and rolling around in a slippery mess. When you come to your senses, yelled a drunken dwarf, and Lily White couldn't see through the fences, you'll come in and make us dinner. Lily White heard a crash of the door, slammed shut again. She attempted to stand and slip right back into the thick. Tall, thick moan of dress of dwarf mess. Maybe, said Lily White, spitting poo out of her mouth. Coming here was just, wasn't such a good idea. Chapter 8, Childish Punishment. The Queen, her hair back, black in the pit as pitch, her silver crown, crown silver as the stars, her pale face, but not super white, like Lily White's, sat in her evil dark throne room. A hand steepled upon her chin. Yes, it is Lily White, she said, and no one in particular. 
has been a thorn in my side for far too long. She's an itch I can't scratch, a fly in my soup. The pea under my mattress. A god looked to the queen and confused. Not that kind of pea, said the queen. You know, like the princess and the pea. Duh! Light bathed the phone room as one of the massive entry doors was opened. Close the door, whoever you are, the queen ordered. You're letting all the darkness out. The door shut and Hercules, and would it, in Hercules, seemed to have torn his purple et Save tunic so it exposed even more of his chest. Hercules, shouted the Queen, about time you've been you've been you've been in the first days. You better have finished putting up more of those signs. Hercules pressed his hands together to flex his massive pecs. Then he said, rolling his eyes, Oh yeah, they're on every single tree in the voice. Excellent, said the Queen triumphantly. Soon, Merritt Diddy White will be caught in my stare. And now how cold the queen rose from her throne and stepped down the dullies. Follow me down into the depths of the dark dungeon and I will show you little wife's demise. I have created a series of evil and twisted tortures that I will inflict upon her until I can, till she can take no more and then I will inflict more. Wait, said Huckles as the queen handed him a torch. Why aren't you going to kill little wife? Yes, said the queen as he led Huckles down the dark stone case but that's far too kind a punishment for this absurd she must suffer for overt paleness well if she's alive she'll be paling you wouldn't that make a queen not not if nobody knows she's here she led the way for a dark passage and if any if anyone she continued ever finds out about Marvel there was a secret her court well he traced his facial faces with that finger he wouldn't want anything to happen to that lovely face of yours, Hercule Grimace, as the Queen finally led the way into a wide chamber into with a high ceiling supported by pillars. The room had been partitioned from dark with dark sheets strung to the balls of wood, like a backyard spooky spook alley. The Queen pushed Hercule suddenly to the into the first large pedestrian. Inside it was manacled animal. It seemed to be a cross between a hawk and a monkey, which much larger than either animal. It had matted hair covered in mud and seemed to ooze stinking jelly from its skin. So, here, Hercule said the Queen, motioning to the awful creature, this is the most foul and disgusting creature in the world, a mug walk. Once I catch a lily white, she'll be forced to bathe and scrub his beast once a day, every day for the rest of her miserable life. The Queen crackled manically. Well, he doesn't seem that bad, said Hercule, his fingers pinching his nose. I mean, it's gross, but it, it, but it takes, what, half an hour? No, longer than that. But wait, it gets worse. He led Hercules into, out the room. Down a flimsy street-lined hallway into the next room-sized compartment. The stench of the elderly washed over them both as, they, as soon as the curtain door was lifted. An enormous, well-worn reclining chair sat a giant, ancient, greenish-blue troll wearing a blue, old wool bathrobe. Uh, his eyes were whitened as though he through cataracts, large white hairs stuck out of his ears, nose. A tall sack of giant newspapers sat up to the side of the chair. The rest of the room was scattered with empty pill bottles, soda cans, umbrellas, pickle jars and other odds. Old men 
Hold her, trash. Ugh, growls the huggles. What's this soldier doing here? Look at those feet, said the queen, motioning towards the troll's footstool. On the, on it were a pair of feet, at half a height of a man, with yellow curled toenails, which were covered with patches of hair and multicoloured fungus. Herkel's eyes grew wide. Yes, Herkel's, you begin, you begin to see. I only make Lily White give this troll to baby bath. Daily fuck rubs, she'll also give him weak credentials and positive evil, said the Queen, losing herself in a moment and dancing a bit. Hercules jerked a hand out of his mouth to stop himself from throwing up. Just messed up, he choked out. This guy smells like death. Hercules, whispered the Queen sharply to the round, as she rounded on him. Wash your mouth, this is my uncle troll. His name is Banky. Why is that? Hammered. Stammered Urgles. Troll groaned a series of untangible red syllables. Yes, Uncle, said the Queen loudly and smoothly. Well, go now. The troll shook his head and motioned towards some human skin chairs. But the Queen paid no attention. She led Urgles toward the next curtain door and down a hallway. The sound of men shouted between the parent became apparent, grew louder. They entered the next room, the largest so far, into a wooden stage where it was lit by a blinding spotlight. Rough calls erupted. Hey, good looking. What you got, cooking? You old man. You got some pulp with those chips, screamed another. Show us your grams, demanded third. Silence, roared the queen. The three men quieted down, but they couldn't stop altogether. Follow me, Hokos, said the Queen, and led him past the spotlight. He could see that a, b- a bunch of bleachers full of bearded men wearing rags and shackles, guarded by a few men holding pole arms. I call this, said the Queen, the stage of shame. Here, on this stage, Lady White will be forced to stand and listen to an audience of my broadest convicted fellows about rude and crude comments. These men haven't seen a woman for years. It'd be perfect. The Queen crackled again and smacked at her thigh, none with uncleanly fervour. How did you further think of this? said Hercules. Doesn't matter how I spent my girlish summers, said the Queen, with her cheeks reddling. Now, Hercules, follow me. Now the girl's final torment. Leading the way down another hall, the Queen threw open a treat door to the smallest room yet. A standing wardrobe, a plush rug, and a slavish canopy bed. Hercules, said the Queen. After day, uh, that day, girls of uh, animal scrubbing, foot rubbing, and humiliation, she was so happy to struggle into a soft, clean, comfortable bed, will she not? Probably, said Hercules. Well, then, she would be, she'd be surprised when she pulled back the sheets and finds this. Queen pulled back a bedspread to reveal a large, reeking brown droppings. Oh, man, complained Hercules, waving his hand in his front of his nose to spell smell. That's right, crew the queen. You're going to put the hummug mug wops feces in her bed every day. Isn't that a bit, isn't it a bit, little childish, said Hercules, standing away from the bed now. It'd be your job, Hercules, to collect the feces and put them in her bed. Oh, that's so gross, whined Hercules. Yes, it's all, it's gross, said the queen, looking satisfied. Is that it? Yes, said the Queen. For the time being, now we'll, we'll, now we'll, 
All we have to do is to wait for someone to bring Lady White to us and collect their reward. Chapter 9. The Dwarfs Purchase Supplies Lady White carefully placed one final branch against the other. Completing the roof of the lean-to as she built against a thick, fallen log near the dwarf's home. She had seen a poster for the catcher in the woods, and was now more afraid to leave the dwarf's den than ever, even if she wasn't so stupid to get herself lost on the way. Lily White went to the entrance of the new home and looked inside. The lean-to was large enough for Lily White, and for a few possessions she managed, she acquired later such as a new drug for medicine from grandmother. She called in and lay down on the green leaves, and she made a spread on the ground. Through the grass on the roof, she could see the blue sky. That's not bad, said Lily White to herself, putting her hands comfortably behind her head. It's rather roomy in here. It just needs some carpet. The lean-to collapsed finally, branches smacking. Lily White on the face and all over her body. One of the branches pierced the large log as it fell. A hole opened up and the cunning black beetles rained down on Lily White. They raced her face and began to bite her. Lily White screamed and exaggerated herself from the debris as fast as she could, slapping her face time after time to kill the late biting bugs. Are you all right? Lily White asked Miss Nicey, who had appeared suddenly and was approaching her, holding a silver platter in his hands. Do I look all right, Nicey? demanded Lily White, dancing to get the beetles out of her clothes. I've got branches in my hair, a bugs in my skirt. I can't get any sticks to stay together. There's snakes in my bed. Can't get any sleep for three days. If that's what, well, if that man doesn't was out there trying to kill me, I'll have just leave. Don't worry, said Nicey. I'll keep talking to the guys. I'm sure I'll let you in back soon. Either way, I'm sure Triggy wouldn't let anything bad happen to you. I've always, always got, almost got fetchy convinced to get some more of that medicine. Your grandma since he like, we liked it so much. Really? Asked Lily White, hopefully. Sure, said Nicey, with a dopey grin. Anyway, I bought these snacks out here for you to cheer you up. Nicey held up a powder toward Lily White. He saw a tray grabbed a tray filled with which looked like what which with what looked like to her various piece of rotten garbage. Oh gross. That's, what's this soggy piece? Lily White asked, pointing to a particular wet lamp. That's from Miss Darcy chewed it up especially for you. Nicey gave her a dim but big dove smile. Why hasn't he why would he chew it? That's disgusting. He didn't want you to choke. Lady White's face turned green. He said the house of dust were having another castle. Tricky would have we've got to do something, explained Ronnie. Yeah, we sure do, you snuggly. Stakey's never smelt worse, crabs Corey. Poetry the moans in the hole foes and crabs on his flaps, said Lumpy. That is moonlight walks, said Lovely. Clearly done nothing but mope and write poetry. I think he's gone emo. Clingy flipped his newly dyed black hair from his eyes so the others could see him roll back his eyes and feign disinterest. Example of his poetry. Roses are red, violets are blue, a flower blooms in the desert. I wish I were dead. 
Full tricky headed. Chance to answer the dwarf's demands. Bumpy crashed through the front door. What are you doing talking about? It's the small dwarf asked. We hate Lily White, the dwarf shouted Newson. Oh, that's funny, said the excited bunny, Bumpy, rummaging through his pockets. I was in the forest and bumped into a tree, and a picture of Lily White fell on my face. Bumpy pulled, a, pulled a picture out and faced it towards the grope, nodding his ha- hand uh, happily. Wait, give, give me that, said Tricky, yanking the picture out of Bumpy's hand. Look here, said Bumpy, lowering his reading glasses. This must be just what we need. It's wanted post a lily white. Wanted dead or alive, reward a hundred gold coins. The dwarfs looked at each other excitedly. Now, said Stumpy, willing himself towards Tricky, a centre of the dwarfs. How are we going to kill her? Uh, do we have to kill her? said Lovely, supposedly. Look, see, said Scrumpy, grabbing the wanted poster from Tricky. It says wanted dead or alive, Crowder, corrected nicely, having come inside and still holding his awful foot, foot platter. Well, said Stumpy, if you don't make a good slave, and that with good for nothing, I say we kill him and we're done with. Yeah, said Tricky, holding rubbing his hands together. And we can finally turn a profit. Quickly, tur- look, Tricky looked across the hall of dwarfs and called. All in favour, action, female question? Most of the dwarfs, not all, raised their hands with a court of eye. It's an anonymous, Tricky could read without counting. May we we kill my Lily White, the, the, the noise of the bell, clashing here came from outside. Cursey went to look, to look out the window. It's a wagon, he did denounce. The dwarfs made their way outside and saw an overstuffed covered wagon, pulled by a depressed-looking donkey and driven by a sour-faced boy. A jovial, miscarriage-looking man, a funny stitched wardrobe and bowler hat, who tried to tent, pa- tried to tent flaps to suit- suitcases his wares. Took his words of flying set and went big letters. Fuzzle bottoms and sun. Oh, it's Master Nigel Fuzzle bottoms. The fourth Master said, I see. It's suddenly. It's Sun Fleming. How are you, Fleming? Boy looked slowly, surly, and didn't even nod in response. Well, Nigel, Nicey continued, what brings you to our next the wood? Roy? Chris Bottoms announced in a thick, thick and dramatic voice a gentleman gone peddler. I've just working my way from Green Havens to Riverwood. Riverman figured out of our boy might need a few things. As a matter of fact, said Tricky, we're looking for something. We shall have, we have a bit of it. Shall we say your best problem? Got anything for that? Oh yes, said Fizzle Bottoms. Fuzzle Bottoms, rummaging through the items of the storefront shelf. I've some tacks, says little vermin. I'll put you, d- I'll put you, d- put you down for you. Anything I got? That would work, said Stumpy, happily imagining little white covered in mouse traps. Nah, said Tricky with a distinctive wave. All victims, not vermin, is not exactly small. Besides, that sounds like a lot of hard work. What else can we you do? You, you do? Hmm, bigger, you say. How about a pot of potent gas? I see several cases in the truck. For a small service charge, I will even set them up for you. 
No, we don't really want to smell our house, said Ziggy. Whether that's No, that's a trick into some of it, of it, of it, it's not small. Besides, the sounds are a lot of work. What else could we got? Mm, bigger, you say. What about potent gas? I'm sure it's got several tanks, services in the tank. For a small trailer charge, I'll let you get, set them up for you. No, you don't really want them to smell our house, it's stinky. What's that? said Pointy, pointing to an item of a special display service. That, oh, guys. You weren't interested in that, said the merchant, looking coy. What is it? What is it? said the many dwarfs in unison. That's that's just a poison apple, the dwarfs cooed and roared. Quite right, said Fezzibon. It's a powerful magical property to poison anything and makes even one single bite. What does a poison do? said Tricky. Boy, said Fezzibon. Death of course under his breath he added. I'm, in most cases, loud and vibrant. Again, he said, but it's definitely too extreme for you. I might have something that might just tickles. He turned around towards, towards his wares. No, that sounds perfect, said Ricky. Right, guys? Yeah, that sounds like exactly what we need, said Stubby. Well, then, now, now that's what, what you say. It, merchant... Said the merchant, rubbing his hands, his massive belly. I'm sure it'll be perfect. We need a few of them. I've just happened to have three in stock. And if you buy all three of them, I'll throw a free pen pan. That's great, said Flimsy. How now Dumpy can stop pooping in my bed? Dumpy eyed the bedpan with loathing. Oh, I don't know, said Nicey Bonry. Shut up, your sap. Shut up, your sap, said Tricky. He turned to Fizzlebums and said, I take a mole. Tricky handed over a few precious gems in exchange for a sack of free poison apples, and with a ha, fizzy bottoms and suns had ridden away. Before the wagon dust cleared, however, commotion sprang up. What she now? cried Bump, cried Bumpy. Put that down. Pointy was hanging on Punch's arm, trying to keep his arm um, hand away from his mouth. You too late. Porchy had already thrown one of the poison apples into his mouth. Tricky looked into the bag of the poison apples and saw there was only there were there were only two. Somehow Punchy had grabbed one without anyone seeing. Punchy swallowed the apple whole and grinned in satisfaction. Then fell on the ground with a loud rumble knocking several knock drops down and leaving an imprint. You wouldn't have seen to this, you would, which you could be seen to this very day. Tricky picked up the bag of apples. Well, right, boys, Punchy's dead, and we're going to have to get two apples left. We need to make a plan. I know what to do, said Nasty. He quickly yanked one of the apples out of the bag. I'm going to chew it out visibly. I will chew up this apple, said Nasty, through his a- apple bites, and returned it to Ali's mouth, wife's mouth like a bummy bear. No, no. Nasty, that's sick, said a dwarf. Spit that out, it's poison, cried another. But before neither of them were finished speaking, Nasty clutched into Pussy's cough, foaming at the mouth. All right, said Tricky. Here's what we're going to do. Point me to Lily White. Pointing finger 
shot up like a bloodhound nose, and th- Tricky marched his way off into that direction, followed by his crew dwarfs. Tricky and Pointy led the way to behind the dwarfs. Rotten house. When the dwarf mob converged on Lily White, they found her abusing her badger, smacking it on the top of the head with a broom and yelling, For the last time, I'm not washing your feet ever again. Hey, hey, Tricky yelled. Lily White rounded on the strutting dwarf, dwarf and yelled, What? Okay, I'll come to bring you a peace offering, said Tricky. What is it? said Lily White, with her eyes narrowed. It's delicious red apple, said Tricky, wiping out his sleeves to bring out the glow for the gloss. Lily White eyed it suspiciously. What's the trick? It's no trick, said Tricky. It's just a crispy, juicy apple. Did Nasty touch it? asked Lily White. Oh, Nasty's got away, said Tricky, without a hint of sorrow. You never touch anything again. Oh, that's good, said Lily White. I'm glad she learned the value of cleanliness. You learned, you learned the, the value of cleanliness? Sure, said Tricky. So, what do you say? Truce? He held out the apple. Well, said Lily White, I'm definitely looks better than that tree. Oh, nice he bought me. I t- she took the apple in her hand and looked it over. All right, she said. After a moment, truce. Lily White took a rather unladylike bite. Immediately, her body began to stiffen. Her face convulsed in rage. You lying sacks of... began Lily White. Just before she could finish, she fell to the ground, stiff as the board. Is she dead? asked Stumpy, hopefully. Pitsy gave a good squeeze of her cheek and said, Maybe. Good enough for me, said Tricky, triumphantly. Now we can negotiate with the Queen and get exactly what we deserve. Uh, podcast show Lily White and the Horrible Dwarfs Chapter 10 Stumpy Becomes an Action Queen Majestic Castle grew closer as Tricky, Stumpy and Bumpy made their way down to the village's cobbled main street. Stumpy had an especially difficult time on a textured road. Bumpy tripped frequently and was badly bruised. Listen, said Tricky quietly so as not to be heard by the tall villagers around him. Before we go in let me tell you how it's going to go down. The Queen's loaded, and she wants this broad dead. And we got and we got stashed in our house. Right, right, said Bump, Stumpy and Bumpy. It's all about supply and demand, see? We got the supply, so we can make the demands. Tricky again, crackling to himself. He looked around at some of the local shoppers who was staring. What are you looking at? He shouted. The villagers jumped and looked away, frightened. So... Tricky continued in a whisper, We're going to go in and go. I'm going to do all the talking. Got it? Got it? said Stumpy and B- Bumpy. Good. We're going to take this old bag for all she's worth. We, after some negotiations with the royal guards and dwarfs, were taken to a muscled slave named Hercules, who led them to the throne room. So, said Hercules, towering above the dwarfs, You're, uh, you have Lily White. Well, said Stumpy, happy to on a male's surface again. We have a, a cold. He laughed darkly. Little boy is dead, said Hercules, his face fallen. He could feel his dreams of nighthood slipping away. Yep, said Tricky happily. They reached the dark throne room, where the Queen sat on a throne, surrounded by guards, a head resting on a hand. Hercules handed a herald near the door a note. The herald read it, blew a trumpet, and announced, Your Majesty the Queen, three dwarfs for the woods are here to pay tribute to the inquirer about the bounty for Lily White. The bounty? 
said the Queen, perking up. What do you mean about a lily white? We got her, said Tricky, struggling about the throne. Dead. The Queen blinked. Dead? Dead as a doornail, said Tricky. Well, I want her alive, said the other Queen, a voice breaking into wine. A sign what said we wanted dead or alive, said Tricky confidently, pulling out the wanted poster from pocket and showing it to the Queen. That was the old sign before I constructed my torture chambers. This, said the Queen, pointing to the large wanted poster, tacked to the floor. Oh, this is the new sign. The new sign looked exactly the same, said the dead had been crossed out. It's a pity, said the Queen slowly. I will have some such wicked tortures planned for her. She shook her head. But no matter, bring the course to me once, and a wound of a hundred hundred pulses. Gold pieces will be yours. That's it, said the bad tricky. I've got twice that match from my cousin Dave. I specifically specified a wound for a hundred gold pieces for a pit, pit capture, said the Queen. But you ain't going to cut it, sister. We will need more. Well, Dwarf, said the, said the, she said with a word of a sneer, that is exactly what you, you want, exactly what you want. I warn you not to try my patience. We want one quarter of your treasury, said Trickery, pacing the throne room like he owned the place, and wagging his finger to him besides his words. Ah, ten percent of your income in the next thirty years. Also, we've got a castle from which to base a large doll. Drawing into uh, operations. You and all need a pair of legs, said Stumpy. Shut up, Stumpy. Let me handle this, said Tricky, spied with Stumpy's extra request. Bumpy added in his high voice, I'll need some knee pads and a helmet. I want to do magic, growled Stumpy. No, yelled Tricky. Yeah, I want to fly, said Bumpy, raising his arms up around his head. What do you think I am, demanded the Queen. Santa Claus? Now, because your sir demands, you'll get nothing. God sees them. Let's get out of here, yelled Tricky. Three dwarfs made for an exit, but two guards were waiting there. One tried to spear Stumpy. Stumpy dodged and ripped the spear from the guards, and he stabbed the spear from both of the guards. Tricky grabbed the spear of the second fallen guard and ran towards the hallway, and the other dwarfs following. You idiots, yelled Tricky. It's all your fault. Oh, sorry. Said Bumpy, remembering to catch him up. I'll have me fallen again. I just couldn't help myself. After spearing a few more swordsmen, swordsmen, Tricky made a dash along the road leading to out the city. Stumpy followed along at sucking speed. For wooden, wooden wheelchair and cobblestones, Bumpy fell so often he had no chance of keeping up. He was grabbed in, on, onto the back of Stumpy's wheelchair and held on as tightly as could. Villagers and guards all cowered from the armed and fleeing dwarfs. In minutes, the dwarfs reached the walls of the city, ran through the gates unopposed, and fled into the forest. They escaped. Meanwhile, back in the front room, Assemble my personal guard, he ordered the queen. Tonight, the dwarfs will pay their, with their blood. I will have Lily Pope, Lily White's corpse. Chapter 11 Fortify Tricky, Stumpy, and Bumpy ran through the door near the house with a loud crash. Wake up, yelled yeah, Tricky. Wake up, everyone, we're in trouble. Bumpy Stumpy went right under the house, waking the dwarfs. They all began to assemble in the front room. Right, everyone, said Tricky over the comma. Listen up, Bumpy messed up the negotiations. The dwarfs all looked angrily at Bumpy. One of them pushed him down. But that, continued Tricky, doesn't matter now. The Queen's not far behind, and she's got a tired guard with her. The dwarfs grasped and yelled in fear. 
What are they going to do? asked the fearful Abby. I'll tell you what they're going to do, Chucky, Fuffy and Cruddy. Could he go board up the windows, Chucky, board it all? Witty and Lumpy get the spike fence, pointing clinking, you get get got the boat your you your best archers, get out to the windows, Farty, you've got the most difficult job of all. Take Lily White's corpse and stash it somewhere safe. A royalness of world of walk over. A dead body to get the chick's dead body. Arrest you to the arms. A draw shouted a battle cry that could be heard for miles. Twelve, chapter 12, the Queen's orders. Report, commanded the Queen, for the seat of her open-topped royal bale battle carriage. It was painted under union gold, in multicoloured garlands strung around the outside and spinning multicoloured garlands strung around the outside and spinning metal covers for the wind, 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 wheel spokes. The Queen looked no better. She was wearing red plate armour. It closely matched her feminine form. Complete as many spiked helmet crown in practical metal high heel, high heels. Well, began Hercules, climbing up the carriage with the Queen. We've got the call-up set up, throwing a few back. He was wearing pendulums and a bracer, but otherwise completely unarmed, flexing these muscled checks visibly. Got a poker game going in Vix's tent. Some of the men say your armour looks too Well, I say you look like a not you don't like you, but the queen, the general, your majesty, said a man with a clear dictation, close to close cut brown hair, a red coat with golden barrels. He archers a position behind the swordsman in line formation. The cavalry has been removed and organized. Our scouts are ready to engage in field reconnaissance. Queen's Royal Guard consisted of about 200 archers and same with swordsmen. 50 whole spearmen, formerly the cavalry, all were armed in least, least leather, and many of the swordsmen had full plate. plate. No, General, said the Queen, that's taking too long. I want the doors taken out, out fast. I ordered a full on charge. Your, Your Majesty, I highly advise that against that, said the general impatiently. Sending our soldiers before we can identify the locations of the enemy enemy and possible traps will put us at necessary risk. There's no purpose in cavalry charging a house. The dwarf's house at the bottom of the unwooded glen amidst the deep forest, the Queen's forces had travelled along the paths as best as they could, but they were narrow and taken several days to get the men horses through. Possibly these traps are high, given the time involved. You're right, you're right. You're right, General, said Kirkles. Let's keep these horses' hooves away from Lily White's boots of corpse. Kirkles had not, not yet decided whether Lily White's death was standing in the way of his romance or not. But I suggest you, Your Majesty, said the Colonel, ignoring Kirkles' uncalled for comments, that if, if we are to skip field concerts, we will set our fire of our arrows and fire them from a safe distance and then we'll flee from the burning building and be easy pickings for archers. Nonsense, General, said the Queen. We have the tra- best trained soldiers in the king- kingdom. The dwarfs are without man without match. The cavalry of thug, couple of thugs are no match. The Queen's army sally the cavalry. But your majesty, objected the Colonel. Charge, shouted the Queen. A horse trumpeter held, heard order, blew a charging melody. Horses rode out. As he reached full gallop, the Queen turned to the general. Now, she said, 
I want you to order four volley of arrows and keep firing until the dwarfs are all dead. But your majesty, cried the general, forgetting the decorum, you've just ordered a recovery charge. You don't want arrows. Now we might hit our men. Yes, said the queen, with arrogant smirk. But we will hit the dwarfs' men as well. The general tried to protest, but since the dwarfs seemed to be fortified outside the, inside the house, they probably wouldn't be hit by arrows. The queen annoyed him. Fire, she yelled, fire, until all the quivers are all empty. The archers standing behind the swordsman, and mostly blind to their targets, and the knights that would soon be in the way, shot forth in the valley, full of arrows in the air. General screamed orders for the archers, archers to stop, but too late. Cool arrows rained down on the horsemen, and it seeds. Most of the men, some men were hit in the first volley, leaving their spooked horses so wildly, to run wildly round the field. Other men were launched from their horses, as their mounts were pierced by arrows, only to be hit arrows by themselves while in the mid-air. His arse was exactly, further exaggerated by the fact that dwarfs had laid, had laid track placed traps in the fields. Some horsemen rode in rows of leaves and grass and fell into massive tiger pits lined with spikes. These few brave soldiers who survived long enough to reach the dwarf's house and misfortune of finding that a spike fence lined with perimeter. Some ordered their horses to jump the fence. Their horses and men were impaled in the spikes. The dwarfs shot arrows at the others. A spike fence spoken of here is called a shave de frisk. Two feet sufficient to plural. This word, however, would never would be understood by a few. The dwarfs shot arrows into the dying men for good measure. Double tap. Some of the cheers could be heard from inside the dwarfs' house. It became clear that the charge had ended with the death of at least every horse, every last horseman. And many arrows have lodged in the roof of the house. Though whether they had penetrated the roof, no soldier could say. Her calls, yelled the queen, so a wise open to panic. This is disaster. Do something. What can we do? said her calls, opening a can of beer. Can you see the st- any stars in on, on this helmet? asked the general. Your Majesty, said the general, shouting his name as though he uh, uh, shouting the name as though it was the swear word. I tried to tell you this would happen. We shot arrows in our own men. What did you think was going to happen? Why didn't you tell me that? demanded the Queen. It's your job to win the battle. Your career is on the line. The Queen, the General sputtered speechless. The Queen stood up on a seat in her carriage and turned to the swordsmen and pikemen. My men, she called. Now is the hour to prove your fertility. Are you there men among you who still have the courage to do their ladies' will. Oaths have been taken now, fulfill them. All to your queen, and land, and charge. Immediately, the drive of the carriage, flicked the reins, and the carriage lurched forward at a, speed, a quick speed before the queen could sit down. The queen made to balance herself, but overcorrected, and a heel broke off from one of her battled, armoured battle sedatos. She tumbled out of the carriage, armoured uh, armored crown falling ahead and one of the f- and one of the feet became entangled in decorations that hung all over the sides and back of the wagon. Chapter thirteen Surprise that everybody saw coming. While the drifts remained in a besieged house, hemmed in by the Queen's royal guard and with Lily White dead in the basement, the Queen was being dragged behind out of co- 
control carriage shrieking. The driver continued on, oblivious to the problem. Hercules, also in the carriage, had turned around his seat and, in, and was laughing at the Queen. Oh, Hercules, ouch, ouch, yelled the Queen as her head smacked against rock after rock. You'll pay for now, this. Now the Queen's men were charged with had charged the carriage, and now watched the scene in horror. And now watched the scene in horror as the carriage neared the house. An arrow shot forth from a high window and hit one of the horses. The carriage veered sharply at the left as the horse fell. Up upon, up ahead was a steep gorge that nobody had noticed was there before. The driver panicked, froze in panic. Hercule screamed, but still at his wits. He drove from his carriage at the very last moment before it flew off the cliff. Hercules turned back to see the Queen's through his face as she fell over the cliff of the carriage. Some say her last words were, Hercules, you idiot! But Hercules held over, held ever that she was announced, Hercules, you horrors, have been earned to a great merit. As such, you are hereby decreed the first king of the kingdom. All my riches, land and power are yours. Farewell. Most noble woman, smoking hot man. No matter what she said, the carriage fell Oh, fell to the basin of the cliff, and one horse, the carriage, the driver and the queen, failed and exploded in a violent, gory mess. A moment's silence passed, and the queen's men, Hercules and Dwarfs, took to the scene. Hercules stood up, scanning the battlefield, and announced in a loud voice as he could, That witch is dead. Never mind the witch, the queen, that queen, who never demonstrated any witchcraft. Applause and cheers erupted and from the Dwarfs, House and most of the Queen's royal guard, General, could not be seen, could be seen nodding happily. Hercules walked back to the assembled men. On the way, he picked up the Queen's red crown and tossed it on top of his head. I am now, he announced the Queen. Soldiers looked at each other, puzzled. I mean King, said Hercules. Mutters and greers greeted Hercules as he returned to the men. The General approached him immediately. Hercules, he said, the Queen is died. Then I assisted Duchess normally is at next in line of secession. You're just a slave. You're wrong, Hercules said, turning on the man. I am your king. I can't allow you to do this, said the general defiantly. Hercules chuckled to himself, faced away, when the general spun around and punched him square in the jaw. The colonel fell general fell to the floor, knocked out cold. The dwarfs, though still threatened by about four hundred soldiers, were broken out of the mead and were singing. Well, that didn't take a... Well, I won't be long till her, her army routes, stated Stumpy. Yeah, said Turkey. We're going to pillage the Queen's city. He crackled in joy. It's so much chaos we can loot the city for days. The doves cheered. And burn the city, said Corey. A loud, disgusting noise burst forward and Fardy came up upstairs. Can't, he said out of breath. Believe it. To the disbelief and rage of the dwarfs, Lily White, alive, walked into the room. Chapter 4 of the Negotiations What's going on? asked Lily White, a bit blurry. Much to do as fairy. Lily White, though, though poisoned and thought dead, had woken and walked into the dwarfs' living room just as they were trying to celebrate the victory. Why, why are you alive? asked oh, her You're supposed to be dead. I was dead, uh, asked, answered Lily White. Yes, yeah, said Stumpy. And how, how, and how we liked you. Fuzzy Bottoms, cried, shouted Tricky. That double-crossing, no-good swindler robbed us blind for funky poison apples. What a crook. 
Oh, it's her apple was a dud. It looks like we're going to, we're going to have to do it in a messy way, says Stumpy. Yeah, Stumpy, said Irma McLean. Cut our head off. Stumpy wheeled himself towards Lily White, though he couldn't get as fast as her very fast because he's only using one hand. Lily White, for her part, was still groggy, a bit imbalanced, and it made for an unsettling slow-speed chase. Hercules burst through the door. Stop, he ordered. She's too hot to kill. Hey, said Bumpy in his squeaking voice. It's the Queen's slave. No longer, said Hercules, adjusting his crown. I'm King Hercules, the first king of all kingdom. Should he might scream. That's the guy that tried to kill me. Duh, said Dummy, simply. You didn't say the guy who tried to kill you was the king. This is a kingdom, said Diddy White. There's no king. Oh, yes, my dear, said Hercules. But the king is dead. And I'll make, and made me a new queen. I'll make king. And now, my dwarf subject, said the king, his hand stretched over him. I demand you unhand the girl and give her over to me. No way, said Tricky. The short giraffe walked up to Hercules and pointed in, right into his face. We poisoned that girl, pointing a little white now. Fair and square, she's ours to kill, so see her fit to see if we see fit. You poisoned me, said Lily White, fear and anger, mingling in her voice. We sure did, said Tricky proudly. Punchy and Nasty gave you, gave their lives to kill you. Punchy and Nasty are dead, said asked Lily White, appalled. Yeah, said Tricky. We thought you were dead too. It's not nice tricking people like that, said Lumpy, shaking his head. Yeah, it's my, that's my job, said Tricky. Speaking of which, it, he turned to Hercules. You say you're royalty? Yes, said Hercules. And I can order to hand, you to hand over that girl. Just a minute, said Tricky, slowly. You want the girl? We have the girl. Maybe we can make an arrangement. Tricky circled around Hercules. What, said Hercules, what do you have in mind? We need something valuable, said Tricky. We snapped his fingers as though making decisions. Jewels, lots of Well, said Hercules, thinking for a moment. The Queen has some jewels. Well, good, said Tricky, because we need a, f- a whole car full of them. Hercules didn't say anything for a moment. Then he smirked across his face. Very well, he said. It's all place to pay for his foxy broad. At that moment, Drunky came to the room with an empty mug and announced they were fishing out of mead. We need me too, said Tricky. Lots. Stop negotiating for me, said Quietly Mate. I'm sure he's a guy who tried to murder me in a fire. You've got to believe me. Everyone acted like she said nothing. Anything. I'll send you a whole cart for me too, said Hercules. All right, said Junkie happily. That's first that lasts us to tomorrow. If you get get it here tonight, it'll be my first. Actors King, said Hercules. Now just a minute, said Tricky, shaking his hand. We just gotta get ha- not gonna we just gotta hand this girl over to you like that. I didn't want what just do didn't just bring out of a hole to the ground yesterday. Yeah, that's right, said Lily White gratefully. I knew you was st- weren't that heartless. As I saying Tricky said loudly. For what I go was so rudely interrupted, I'm not going to just give this girl of you a world alone. How do we know you will we'll get the goods? Yeah, said Stubby. We need some collateral. Collateral, did you say? Urkel stroking his chin. He thought, thought for a moment and nodded. Well, I have some collateral for you. My, my One of my finest men, my general. Urkel stepped outside and called it in some orders. That's some orders, I think, to which 
to have the general brought to him. A couple of swordsmen brought the general inside and dumped it. And crushed his man on the floor. Hercules waved his man away. I don't know, said Hercules Tricky. Doesn't look like, doesn't he look in pretty bad shape? He's fine, said Hercules, with a dismissive wave. He just got knocked out of the battle. He's fine, he's fine. After so many fines, Bumpy laughed and said, You know, Tricky, maybe he's fine. Yeah, said Hercules, he's fine. A quick check showed that the general still had a pulse. That world kind of general gets himself knocked out during a battle, Smokey's great fucking crowd. A great general, that's who, said Hercules, stooping down and putting an arm round the man's shoulder. He's a war hero. He saved my life. I'll do anything for this guy. Fine, said Tricky. You get this guy back when we get your we get your rewards. Just our oh, just rewards. Sure, yeah," said Hercules, putting his arm off the general, whose head fell roughly to the floor. "I really want to get him back. He's like a brother to me. So, I'll come and get him as soon as I can. And I'll tell you what," Hercules said with a broad grin. "If they say, if the wagons don't show up by noon tomorrow, you just kill him. That's how committed I am to our new friendship." Just cheered. Many felt that this was a win-win situation for them. All right, sister, says Tricky, grabbing Lily White's arm and throwing her towards Hercules. You is popular now. Meet your prince charming. What, him? said Lily White through tears of anger. He's not a prince. He's definitely not charming. Yet the prince will be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly. But Curtis Hercules was leaving her outside now. Kind, obedient, cheerful, thirsty. Thrifty, brave, clean, reverent. This guy's none of these things. Yes, it's Ricky. But this ain't the Boy Scout, so he's all, he's all you've got. Good luck and have a good life, good life with that tricky standard on Grandma's face. But what what about my grandmother? Uh, asked Lily White weakly. She needs her medicine. I'm pretty sure your grandmother's dead, said Urkels, knowing little, 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 nothing about that situation. Oh no, cried Little White. Hercules put a comforting arm around her shoulder. That's right. There, there. He put her hand on her cheek. Now, my lady, we can share true love's kit, first kiss. What makes you think this is true love? shouted Lily. You tried to kill me. I'll hate you forever. But nobody listened or cared. Hercules lived happily ever after. The end. Holds of your mark. Jack and Ori. Hello, kids. It's story time. Are you sitting comfortably? Have you got your milk? Let's sit down on the pillows and let's listen carefully. And today's story comes from Lily White and the Horrible Dwarfs. (coughs) Chapter 1. The Brain Bucket. Once upon a time, uh, time in a land of vermin fields and stone castles, an evil queen and lonely maiden. You know what? Never mind the introduction. Let's skip to the action. Meow, meow, on the wall. Who's the palest woman of them all? Asked a woman with a slender face and high cheekbones. She was fairly skinny, skinned, with black hair, dark dress and a silver crown. Why, your majesty... Answered the mirror, ghostly face in a spooky voice. That should be the fair maiden, Lady White. Lady White? Asked the Queen, sneerily. Who is this 
Show me now, I command you. Green smoke swelled in the mirror, then vanished as a pistol village came into view. The image zoomed into the village market, with a bustling crowd moving about a mist of red growing lanterns on the shops. In the crowd, with a skin that was so white, it was almost like snow, you get it. Plain-looking girl, with a rather stupid grin on her face, pranced from shop to shop, peering as if in it, as though looking for something in particular. That is the right, that is the whitest girl I've seen, said the queen, trailing off. The little faker, I'll find this most disturbing. Does she know that the palest woman or girl or woman in the land is made the, is made the queen? How dare she? She picked up the mirror, magic mirror from the office stand. What are you doing? asked the magic mirror. Its voice trembling. This, said the queen, and smashed the mirror to the floor. Glass threads flew over the room and around the room. Hundreds, said the queen, shout called. Hundreds. Hundreds was named Hercules by his parents after the great ancient warrior, but he changed his name when he realised how much more buff it was he was than his namesake. What's up? said a blonde man with rippling biceps. Huge pecs and thighs like tree trunks as he swaggered through the phone room door, high doors. He wore a short purple tunic with a v-neck, deep v-neck and showcased his awesome chest. He had a sword and a scabbard strapped around his waist. Which is mostly ceremonial, though it occasionally uses it. Hercules, uncles, my slave, I need you to do. Need you to do, do your queendom a solid. Go and find this girl, Lily White. She said in the name, said the name revulsion, and bring me back her head in a basket. Okay, began Hercules, his eyes narrowing, a smirk on his face. When you say basket. What are we talking about here? Or like something wicker, or maybe something like a wooden bucket? No, I don't mean a bucket, said the Queen, rolling her eyes in irritation. If I wanted a bucket, I would have said a bucket. Forget the bucket, just bring me a head. Hercules smiled and saw, as he saw how well he was getting the Queen worked up. Well, he said with mock gentleness, without a bucket now, am I supposed to bring her head back without getting all messy? Blood might get in on your priceless fur rugs. Stop, interjected the Queen. Brains would swing out into your royal tapestries, and also, would I have to clean the rugs and tapestries? I'd rather avoid a mess. Listen to me, said the Queen. But Hunkles was on the roll. Do you want me to rem- Do you want me to remove the head from the body? Because that could get kind of gross, said Hunkles, scratching his nose. Well, does it have to be her head? Or can we have anybody's head? Can it be another girl's head? Can it be your head? No, I can't be my head, said the Queen. Fabergasted, several little palace girls laughed at this point. Who's this little white boy anyway? What's so great about her head? Is it magic? Would it will go a body? Hercules finally paused for a moment. The Queen happily looked, took the opportunity to get a word in edgewise. Oh, that's great, Hercules. It's that. Is that my magic mirror? It's my, that's my magic mirror. She mentioned in a broken glass drawn across the floor. Said, 
that Lily White is paler than I am, and you know that just as well as I do the palest women of all to be a queen in all the kingdom. Yeah, I get it. You need a bowhead to make a skinny white portion, said the Hercules with a nod and knowing smile. No, you idiot. I need her to be dead so she'll be dead. Well, I'm going to search the whole kingdom for this girl. Then I need to know exactly what she looks like. Hercules shook his head slowly. Well, guess it's too bad. You broke your magic mirror. Not to fear. I have magic mirrors where one, where that one came from. More magic mirrors than when that one came from. Queen showed dragly, dragly to the cabinet, unlocked it, and swung the door wide open. It's full of thin cardboard packages. The Queen pulled out the top of the sack, peeled back the tape on top of the thumbnail, and set out a sleek and shiny mirror. Magic mirror that perfectly matched a broken glass on the floor. The Queen sat down in a gaudy cushioned chair with a mirror on her lap and looked at a pair of reading glasses. Took out a pair of reading glasses. It took her a few minutes to enter the new password and set up a Wi-Fi connection. But as soon as she could, could she showed Uncle's an image of Lily White, who was speaking to a slick-looking man wearing a velvet cape. Hercules looked revolted at the girl's sickly white appearance. That girl's looking like she's sick. Her skin is so white. The queen scowled, look, looking back at her own pale, own pale hand. So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight," said Hercules. "You want me to bring?" Find some girl called Lily White, kill her, bring her back her head in a bucket, so you can stay the queen forever, right? Actually, I said basket. Hercules opened his mouth to speak, but the queen beat him to it. Never mind. No, never mind. Use a bucket. Whatever. Now be gone. Make haste. A circle slowly moved out of the room. The queen lowered the lightning and held a lamp in her hands so she could look scary. Then said slowly and evilly, Lily White, soon you will die, and I will soon be queen. Chapter 2. Hercules kills Lily White. Lily White, a girl so shockingly white, your eyes would burn if you looked directly at her skin. And surrounded by animals of the forest, deer, birds, and fuzzy ground creatures followed around her as she danced and skipped down the road in the forest singing, Apple bird. Sung to the tune of Pop Goes a Weedle. All around the pot she would know. The worm is chased by the birdie. Worm he takes a bird in his mouth. Pop goes a toady. And a gus. And gus better to the tune of little bunny foo Like Bridget Badger Boo Boo. Thinking he's so funny digging up the cabbage. And spreading it in the church. Also... Smells like a snuck to the tune of Smells Like Teenage Spirit by Nevada. In the forest, he's outraged. That's how the scum's now. Smells infamous. Show me down. It's so awful. Smells like so bad. I hit the bottle. Yeah. Isn't that that late, that late, very minute? Lily White finished this last song. She found she pranced her way up to white cotton tailed rabbit, which looked, took, looked at her bravely with knowing eyes. His nose twitched as a rabbit, as 
a rabbit is it would do. And Lily White took this to mean a rabbit speaking to her and asking her a question. Well, Mr. Rabbit, Mr. Bunny, Lily White replied kindly, I'm just returning home. My grandma sent me to the village to buy a great big bottle of medicine. With a grunt, Lily White heaved a large glass jug. It's only labelled four XX. A blunt brown fluid swished over its side and seemed to be eaten away from the glass. The rabbit squeaked and twitched his nose. Oh, Mr. Bunny, you shouldn't say that about my grandma. She's not a rummy. She's only, she only drinks this for medical purpose. Annie, she has a glass of him after every meal, and perhaps before her meal, and before bed, and sometimes she gets out of the bed to squeak, get, get a glass. Squeak, 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 said the bunny, sort of. You're not a very nice bunny, said Willie White. She grabbed the rabbit by its ears, and made a running start, and drop-kicked it a hundred yards. Phil Gold, three points. Lifting up the jug again, she began to frolic and skip through the forest. After asking around for a zombie pale girl, Hercules had learned that the Wiley White would be walking on a particular road so that he, he had hidden himself in the trees and lay in wait to capture her. Suddenly, a rabbit threw past his head at bullet speed, forgetting his plan to keep quiet. Hercules ran out of the trees in a ferry in the direction of where the rabbit had flown from. Hey! Hey, you shouldn't could have killed me with that old bunny, shouted Hercules. He was so angry, it took him a moment to really look at the girl. And when he when he did, he saw that his skin was almost as white as a vampire. It was a girl from the magic mirror, Lily White. That bunny. That bunny, I have, you know, think, thinks my grandmother is alcoholic, said Lily White. Her eyes in, with a fury, though her eyes were crazed in this... In those crazy eyes, Hercules saw something more than mere madness, actually. No, it wasn't her eyes at all. It was her body. She was fine. The white skin was off-putting. She sort of looked like a corpse, but she was thin enough, and she had some junk in the trunk. That's right, so her skin didn't even matter. For the moment, Hercules forgot about his orders to kill Lily White. What are you doing with the back bucket? said Lily White. Uh, said Hercules stupidly. He looked down. At the bucket, swinging his hand, the one that was supposed to have Lily White's head in it, he quickly stuck it back behind his back. Oh, I was about to fetch a pail of water, said Hercules. He grinned and nodded, satisfied his made-up answer. After an awkward moment, Lily White said, That's nice. Well, goodbye. He turned away from Hercules. His muscles began to skip away. No, wait, said Hercules. What? said Lily White. Oh, uh, look. How heavy this bucket is. Hercules flexed his biceps and massive backs and lifted the bucket, grunting with the effort. Are you sure that's heavy? It's lo- it, it looks completely empty, said Lily. Why didn't it say, Oh? Says Hercules, searching his mind for another strategy. He flashed his own most handsome, attractive smile, and flipping his blonde hair from his eyes, said, Oh, I'm hot. I'm hot. That's, that's doing something hot. What are you talking about? said Lily White. Her brow frowned in confusion. I don't feel hot. It's a nice breezy day. It's a perfect too, since I have to work, walk so far to bring home this medicine for my grandmama. Hercules had been shot down again. He decided to try a more direct approach. He confidently strutted up to Lily White, and who took looked small indeed next to the hulking man, and took her hand.
Girl, oh, I like your butt, Hogel said, leaning in for a kiss to seal the deal. Ah! Then he screamed in an incredible volume distinctly at Hercules' face. Get away, you creep! You're gross! Hercules tried to go on himself, but he wasn't fast enough. The Lady White had heaved up and clocked Hercules across the face of an XX jug of medicine. Hercules' head banged like a, rang, rang like a bell. Oh, my face! Hercules put, that's my most beautiful feature. Lily White again screamed directly into Hercules' nose, then turned to her heels to run, for as sure as she sank in two steps, she tripped on the tree root off the edge of the, of the road distinctly into a ditch. Hercules peered round the ed- uh, over the edge, and Lily White fell into the poison ivy bush, began scratching her skin furiously, smacked against a rock, and crashed fed first to the normal beehive before finally coming to land at the base of the ditch. Lily White was knocked out cold and didn't even twitch, as an angry swarm of bees stung her time after time. Well, said Hercule after a pause, I guess she's dead. That sucks, she was so covetous. But I guess my job here is done. But I think for sure, there's no way I'm going to go and pull that ball off of my head. The Queen will just have to figure out some way to have her skin white and poisoned. With the Hokels turned and made his way back to Queen's Castle, whilst the Wishing Tune sounded a lot like Alfred's Badger.